What do you get when you combine a licensed professional counselor who loves lifelong physical fitness with a strength and conditioning coach who loves mental development? You get Jonathan Pishner and Jerry Hanley, two guys who love to help you find ways to fix problems that will improve your life through what they call asymmetric habits, specific changes you can make with outsized payoffs. Good afternoon, everybody. Jerry Hanley from Viking Performance Training here with my good friend, Jonathan Pishner of Apex Counseling. Both of us located in Morgantown, West Virginia, but both of us available all over the world through this fancy thing called the interwebs. Um, so we're here today to talk about when to stop while winning on asymmetric habits. And our focus today, you know, this may, I, re I recognize that this title may sound a little weird. <laughs> um, like, why would you want to stop winning? And I want to make it very clear, neither JP or I want you to stop winning. We want you to win as much as possible. Um, however, we think it's very important to recognize the ways that winning itself or the can change the way we think and way we behave in ways that can get toxic or damaging. And that's what we're here to talk about because it's something that almost everybody will encounter um, in a lot of ways, whether it is like a sports type of winning, an athletic competition, or with the rise of gaming, or in other ways, like just having streaks of positive momentum in your life and then accidentally sabotaging it or not taking advantage of, of basically making some of those gains a little bit more permanent. So mm -hmm. uh, take it off, brother. Yeah, so we we ended up talking about this, and I can't, I can't remember which one we started with, but it was either uh, with weightlifting or investing, which are both wonderful parallels for this, but, but there's many others. Uh, but, you, you know, you see people who are doing quite well in an area, and because they haven't decided, like, where their, where their end point is, they'll actually stay in a particular game longer than they should. And instead of, you know, essentially ending by winning, they end with losing. Uh, so, you know, if we just do an obvious example, you see this with weightlifters a lot. Uh, they will oftentimes not have an idea of, okay, where's, where's kind of the point where I, I want to get to and just maintain that forever. Uh, and you'll see a lot of them, okay, I'm going to deadlift this much, then this much, then this much. And except for the few people who really do just want to set world records, eventually people run into their injury point where their their either their genetics or their training or or whatever just will no longer support them going up any further and so then they just continually re-injure themselves instead of uh instead of getting the benefits that they want uh same thing with investing like there's plenty of people uh that i work with clinically uh who either in their you know they're, they're a business owner they or they are otherwise you know wealthy in some form or fashion who are continuing to play the money game. But if you examine what they what their win condition really is, they won like years ago and, and now they're just playing the game and stressing themselves out to no useful point or purpose. So so really a lot of people just shoot past what they what they really wanted because they didn't take time to examine what they what their win condition actually was and then they fall apart. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest things that 
I've learned um, when it comes to both training professionally, but then also in my own education as a as an investor, for example, is the importance of setting, yeah, just like tar- those targets for when you've like uh, when you won, in essence, like, well, you know, this is what I actually want rather than just always thinking when I try to get to something more. And like I said, like it does happen in like fitness. It definitely happens in business and investing. And it, it just happens in a lot of other ways, too. Like, you know, we've all heard of the phrase win at all costs. Like, it's just a very popular thing. And, you know, that like what we don't think about necessarily is that can be both inspiring or it can also be terrifying and horrible. <laughs> like, I mean, the same exact phrase, it just matters how you actually apply it mm-hmm. and how it, in in your mental mindset around it. And there's just so many ways to do that. And so that's what I feel like a lot of what we're talking about. And then the other part is knowing when to go ahead and stop and take your win. Like you said, like, you know, if you're especially if you're kind of like cash out, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Like in investing, it would be, you know, take your profits. Like that would be, you know, that's it. Like, you know, you can still leave some on the table, even if that's what we're talking about or gambling, you know, this is a big, a big essence of the problem of gambling. (laughs) It's like, you know, if you get ahead, awesome. But how often do you go for that one more time and lose it all or lose double? There's, um, and this this is a problem that appears more often than people think. There's there's a story I read once, and I and I absolutely loved it. I'm going to truncate it a great deal just so so uh, it doesn't go on at length. But uh, it, it illustrates how easily this can happen so perfectly. Um, yeah. You know, so there's a fisherman who is bringing in his catch and. Uh, he runs into a businessman on the, on the dock who just asks him a few questions and he describes his life and says, well, yeah, I fish a little bit and I bring in enough to pay for things and to give a few away. And then I basically go home and take a siesta with my wife and play with my kids and then play guitar in the evening with my friends. And the businessman he runs into goes on to describe at great length how he could make tons more money and he would have to do this and this and this and this and this and buy and, and uh, can make tons more, millions of dollars. And the fisherman says, well, what would be the point of all that? He says, well, you would eventually sell out and then you would get to retire to a fishing village where you could fish a little bit and then take a siesta with your wife and play with your children and go and play guitar in the evening with your friends, which is exactly what he's already doing. <laughs> so you have somebody who makes up like, oh, you have to do all of this other stuff to get the win condition that the guy literally is sitting on top of. And it's a wonderful illustration of one person who's already figured out that they have achieved their, their winning goal and have just stopped and are sitting at the finish line and loving it. And somebody who would be very vulnerable to the thing we are talking about, which is completely missing what is the win condition in the first place. I haven't heard that story in a in quite a while, and I completely forgot about it. But as soon as you said fisherman, <laughs> yeah, like I remembered it, and, and yeah, that, that's exactly right. Is as like especially with so many things around us that we could pick up pick up from it now that that inherently makes it worse. News cycles, social media, etc. I mean, we keep talking about that. That's beating a dead horse <laughs> on our end. Um, but we see so many of those things. It's it's almost more common now. I feel like for people to disassociate what they want 
as an actual result versus disassociate what they want if they're asked what they're working towards. Like like that, like just it's more money. Like, you know, like what do you want in your life? And it might be something very similar to that fisherman. Or it might be, you know, I want to be debt free. I want to completely own my house. I want to have enough money saved up for my kids to go to college. Um, or, you know, fitness wise, it might just be, you know, I want to get my blood markers to this level. I want to make sure like, you know, main, like I always feel better at this body weight. I want to maintain this, like, you know, lots of different ways to do it, but then actually turn around and ask people about the details of how they're going to get there. And there's really no actual path. It's just basically throwing a rock in that general direction. It's, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, it's just, well, I'm just going to, you know, keep working hard and keep trying to make more money to achieve these dreams. And it's, and it's like, okay, have you ever sat down with a financial planner to actually see how much your dreams would cost? Like, you know, where, where are you at in that progress in your plan to get there by a certain time? Like that lot, there are not a lot of people who've done that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'll just take that way. Um, or with the fitness, like, you know, it's like, okay, like, you know, that's awesome. You got these goals with that. Have you actually sat down with a professional trainer or a nutritionist and again mapped out your actual plan to get to those fitness goals and then how to maintain those goals if if that's what you're at and of course like athletes like the steps to actually plan what you need to do to get what you say is is your goal like is a pretty easy component that a lot of people are missing though because they just never think to take it like i said Mm -hmm. just work harder work out more eat better etc without actually having like steps along the way to help you get there yeah and then you, just well, keep going. And, you know there's if we get into the how uh how of like making sure you quit while you're winning or, or you you kind of stop at a, at a space that's the win and don't accidentally overshoot the thing you're saying is really important the uh but what trips most people up i think is they get stuck on the win because what you're saying is is actually set a goal which is correct uh the thing that trips people up is the win of that w-h-e-n not w-i-n uh we're (laughs) we're dealing with rhyming words here um uh when to do that is tricky because some people will be able to do that before they even start. Some people will be able to define their win condition, like, okay, I'm gonna start this company and I'm gonna do this and this and this and this, and here's how I will know I have won. And some people are able to do that. Some people aren't and they have to figure it out later after they've already started. And, and sadly, what happens a lot is if you read uh, most of the content that's out there, you, you, will, you will have a binary type of belief uh, because, 50% of the books say you have to you have to set your goal before you start. And and then the rest of them will say, oh, you don't even really need a goal. You just need a process. And nobody seems to say like, well, it's okay if Bob figures his out at the beginning and Jim figures his out halfway through because he didn't know what to set at the beginning. And maybe it's just a little different between people. Being compromising doesn't sell. <laughs> I mean, that's why nobody says it. Yeah. I know. And like the rage that spiked when you said that made me want to throw my pen through the freaking screen. But you're right. I acknowledge that you are correct in the statement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why that happens. And I mean, yeah, I started laughing from the beginning of you saying that because, I mean, I've gone through that like 
through that struggle of that dichotomy so many times, like having to work myself to the point where I realize that it's not all hopeless because I didn't have it done at the beginning or whatever it is. But yeah, but go on, you can continue. Yeah. Um, so, so really what, what I would say our, our first point is, is figure out the wind condition as early as you are able. Uh, you know, so, so I, I can use myself for an example. So I started a business to, to get out of like, like uh, just being, uh, you know, poor and impoverished. And uh, I actually still don't yet know what the full and wind condition is. I knew what one of the wind conditions was, was get out of debt. And I, I passed that finish line a while back. And now I'm just kind of working on it. And, and the, the next wind condition has not yet revealed itself. I'm, I'm continually looking for it and not just sitting here at my desk and doing things and hoping it'll all work out. But I, I don't yet know what to call the next wind condition. And maybe it's just keep doing this until it's retirement age and just stack up as much retirement money as I can. Maybe that's it. I'm not yet sure. But whatever the wind condition is uh, uh, after get out of debt, it hasn't yet revealed itself. Whereas I already know what my wind condition is on weightlifting. Uh, I've known that for a couple of years. Two, two times body weight deadlift, uh, 1.5 times body weight squat and a couple of others. And like if I get there and can just stay there, then woo, win, finish line. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah but, uh, you know, both of those, I started before I had any clue what the wind condition was going to be. Yeah, and that's huge. Um, so one of the things I want to talk about, I think is important to talk about is for people who do get in a, like they basically get a winning streak, like they start winning. Um, and look, just like you said, the earlier you can set that wind condition, the better. Cause like I said, then you, then you know when, and when in essence, again, to take profits and, or, at least like shift a prior shift priorities would basically be the other part. Um, like with your weightlifting example, once you got to those goals and it was more about, you wanted to make sure that you didn't go beneath them and maintain that you could shift your priorities to other things and just focus on maintaining rather than building in most general cases, maintenance is going to be easier than building. I like, you know, um, physical or otherwise, like most of the time. Um, yeah. But so once you get like, you know, so that's the one part for sure. Now, the other part is once you have momentum is to have basically, uh, well, to go with the, the when to win or when you're winning, have your exit plan strategy. Like basically know when you're go like not only know when you're going to shift your uh, priorities, but also how you're actually going to do it. And again, that's one of those things where that won't come up until a step down the road. So that is a good one that you can work on and think about. And that can be like, okay, like let's use debt as example again. Let's say you do pay off, you know, you want to be debt free eventually. Well, you know, most people don't have just one type of debt. You know, they're going to have credit card debt, like, you know, lot, multiple credit cards, student loans, personal loans, you know, maybe business loan, like tons of debt all around. And of course, you know, a lot of people may have like house debt as well as their, some of their biggest ones. So being debt free could be that eventual goal. Like, OK, this is my eventual goal. This is my eventual win. There's a lot of other debts in there. So each time you can can't you can each time you can actually get rid of one, what is your, what is your exit strategy for that? 
to make sure that for one, you don't build it back up. And two, what do you do with the momentum that you've built? Like, um, you know, Dave Ramsey is a pretty famous financial advisor out there. He's, you know, a lot of pros and cons. Everybody's got their own approach. One of his most famous, famous things though, is the snowball method where you start, you know, like you basically ignore interest rates for a little, like for the most part, and just focus on paying off the smallest debt as fast as possible. And then once you do pay that off, rolling off that payment into the next smallest one, and go and going that way. Like that could be just a very simple to use strategy for a lot of people um, to basically redirect every time they like they hit that winning streak. So that way, again, you're not, you're not rechanging anything. It's just simply trying to keep the momentum going with an actual plan. I said that way it's not just chaos because as somebody who's been through both, both parts of the debt payment, um, process. I can tell you if your goal is simply to pay off debt, but you're kind of randomly making up what you're paying off every time you have extra money to do it, your progress doesn't seem to go anywhere for a while. <laughs> like, so, so the, th- the thing you're proposing essentially is, uh, you know, like, okay, set the wind condition and have a plan for it. Or, or, uh, were you trying to say, uh, cause like Dave Ramsey's whole thing about the debt snowball is, paying off that smallest debt is its own kind of like micro win that usually gives people the energy to keep going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is basically like establish those steps. It's almost like, okay, this, this is what it is. This is what life is like. Trying to get you to the point where you can be like a level in Mario, where you get to a save point in the middle of the level. And that way, if something starts over, you're at the middle and not back at the beginning. Like, Okay. There, there we go. Now, now, now for the non-video game nerds out there, <laughs> basically that means get, you know, getting to some kind of plateau that's super easy to maintain and, and easy to not fall back off of. So it's exactly. like, you know, what you're saying is, okay, part of my plan is I pay off the one credit card and then until like I get all the way out of debt, I'm never using this credit card again until I... Like, cause that would keep you on the plateau. That, that's sort of a thing, like you're saying. Exactly, exactly. Like, okay, you know, I see. Creatures, yeah, cause you know, we're creatures of habit and we're creatures of comfort. And a lot, and, and you know, that means repetition. And so a lot of times when we do something like that, like pay off a debt or hit a goal like that, if we don't have an actual, how are we going to keep this momentum going plan or idea? It doesn't take that long to just end up bringing it back. You know, how easy is it? Okay, we know. Paying off a credit card is relatively difficult, you know. Again, it's 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 simple, but it's not easy, you know, one of those. So it's relatively difficult. Once you do, how easy is it, though, to within just a couple of months, if not earlier, come up with some reason that, like some justification to suddenly put debt on that credit card again because you just paid it off. Because now it's like, oh, I have room here. Let me put more debt here rather than thinking about where you actually wanted to go, which was to be debt-free. Like that's a cycle that, I mean, almost everybody gets trapped in and I see all the time. It's like, you know, I'll put money in my savings. Like, like okay, like I want to build my savings up. The first thing that happens, you know, is like a pull the money out of the savings. Like, you know, sometimes, you, yeah, sometimes, you know, that sometimes you can't do anything about it. I mean, that's what savings emergency stashes are for. But like, how often does that happen? Build it up, take it back out, build it up, take it back out. So you, there needs to be, again, some form of either plan or just awareness 
to create a habit change that will that, that will hopefully keep you building overall momentum in that direction you want to go without simply like getting the win of putting money in your savings and then you feel like crap because you took it back out again three weeks later well so 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 yeah let me let me put this in the context of of like you know because it can sound like you're talking about just goal setting but but uh, but i know you're still on on our topic which is making sure you you continue winning while you're winning uh but what's what I think you're saying is that it's very easy to get interrupted. Like when you're you're in a good part of the process, yeah. if you accidentally listen to that other voice in your head that, that gets you off topic. So like uh, I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I, but I know um, I know I talked to you about it because I had the same voice the, uh, a little while back because. Uh, when I hurt myself lifting, uh, I didn't realize until that time that I was like, oh, actually, one of my unstated goals, my wind conditions is not having a bunch of pain in my body. So I need to minimize injuries if I'm going to you know, really be on my wind condition here. And I, I did a post-injury PR, which was, wasn't super high, but it was better than I've done since I got injured. And I picked it up, did the lift, great, put it down, felt terrific. And I heard that voice in my head. Heard it. said, come on, you, you could probably do a whole nother set of that. You, why don't we just go ahead and knock out a little more today? And that's the voice that tries to get people off track. And instead of focusing on what is their wind condition, which for me was let's not be in pain. It's ready to like get me focused on something else. Uh, you know, same thing with what you're talking about. Like, oh, man, paid off the credit card. All right well, but don't you really need to get this, whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, happens in investing all the time too. People trying to squeeze that last 10 cents out of their investment when they uh, get out, uh, you know, instead of just like, oh, I've doubled my money. Maybe it's time to bounce instead yeah. of like, well, it's still going up. So maybe, yeah. ah, maybe. <laughs> exactly. And and that's pretty much exactly why I spent so much of this first half of the pod, of the broadcast on that is it's almost in many ways, it's almost more, uh, I don't want to get into a comparison. It is just very painful to do the work to see something actually rise and go the way you want to, and then make the mistake of not accept, of like you said, not accepting it or not stopping it at the correct moment and see it all go away. Like that sucks. <laughs> It's like, and yeah, like I said, it's, um, yeah, I said investing, it's so common. That's like I said, like, see, like, you know, you said when you get a good return on an investment, at least think about moving some of the profit into a more stable form, if if that's an option. So, you know, well, like, well, well, tell you what, before, before you get into to the practical bits, let me talk about the psychology of what happens here, right? yeah. because it's easier if you understand the, the psychology, because uh, you know, humans are very prone to, e even if we're not like destructively and like uh, irresponsibly greedy towards other people, we're prone to greed no matter what. So like, you know, oh man, if one coffee makes me productive, two must be better. Uh, two drinks makes me feel amazing. Four must be better. Uh, we, we will absolutely fall into that thinking relatively easily 
Uh, and if you know to watch out for different types of greed, it, it really does make it easier because for, for two reasons. Number one, you, you expect it to come and, and just accept that like, oh, yes, my, my greed for the next thing. That's what that voice that wanted me to lift more weights. I was getting greedy for like, you know, improving faster instead of just being patient like an adult. Uh, and the second thing is none of us like to view ourselves as greedy. It's a little nope. easier to reject that voice and be like, oh, wait, hold on. That, that's greed talking. That's not like rational decision making. That's me just being hungry for more. And, you know, I'm, I'm liable to make myself sick if I just cram more in. Yeah. I've never heard it put that way about greed. They're like that. I mean, yeah, more is better being actually just a, a facet of greed. And I really like the way you did that. Um, so actually sticking with the psychology, I'm curious, have you found, or is there anything in the science, but I feel like this is probably more a just your experience uh, thing. Have you found that type of thinking like, or like let's call it weakness to greed, whatever. Um, but to be more prone in younger people or older populations. I, I do not notice a meaningful difference. Okay. Okay. If, if there's science on it, I, I don't know, but, but I, I don't observe a meaningful difference. I, I, it seems that most people are prone to it in okay. different forms, no matter what. Yeah, because what I was wondering was in, like, I'll use, I'll randomly use 20-year-olds and 50-year-olds as an example. Like, if 20-year-olds um, might be thinking, oh, like, you know, I'm, like, you know, maybe they're not thinking about it in this way. But in essence, if 20-year-olds were possibly more likely to be, say, impatient about it and want certain levels of success or achievement sooner rather than later, versus, say, 50-year-olds who maybe had a sense of I'm not where I want to be yet and I'm running out of time. So I need to take riskier, greedier steps to get to where I want to go. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that, that's where I was wondering if there was any noticeable difference, but I said, yes, that people will people. So <laughs> people will people, but yes, uh, uh, you'll, you'll have to ask somebody who can set up a, a research project on that. Cause I, uh, I've not observed a difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like that's exactly what we're talking about. Is like people can be win like get that winning momentum, and then they said they just keep wanting more, and it happens in so many ways. Like uh, we we talked about fitness, we talked about financial. You mentioned just keep wanting more. I mean, this can happen in relationships. You know, you don't think about it, but like how often you know, like infidelity. It's how often is that simply a case of somebody being in an actual, like in a relationship that they actually like want and cherish and enjoy it's their it's the one that they wanted you know they're winning <laughs> and but then it doesn't take long before it's like well okay i got this but i still want more like i still want like I, I still want more it's like do you want more or is it just you're like you feel like you have to keep like, you you like whatever the hell that'd be called like accumulation it's a terrible word involving people but <laughs> but in essence but it's, like, it's also not a wrong word necessarily yeah, yeah some people feel like some people are in like a that habit like feel like they have to continue accumulating partners or something like although happily uh uh you you usually don't see marriage affairs happen because of greed but but you will see people extend the um the like uh, hookup lifestyle more often because of greed 
you'll mm -hmm. you'll often see affairs happen more due to uh, uh, attachment uh, um, deficits. Just basically, the the relationship is going sour and they can't swing it back up. That's that's when you'll usually see affairs happen. But people do definitely extend the hookup lifestyle a lot uh, more often out of out of different types of greed, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so into some of those practical steps before wanting to get to another side of this that I wanted to is, um, I mean, I just like having those, like, well, we, like we mentioned, know, know, know your goalpost or your winning post so you know when those things happen. Um, so if we're talking with investing, I said one is if you do, you know, you're lucky enough to get a pretty good sizable increase on an investment, a return, uh, again, like a, a winning momentum, you know, take part of the profits or something and move them into something like more stable. Again, that is, again, it's just a way it's just risk management at that point. Like part of continuing with like part of continuing winning momentum is just good risk management. Cause then if it does suddenly crash, go back only, maybe even you know, only part of what you had initially suffers from it. Um, whereas a lot of your profits of other things are now in a more stable, easy, like, you know, Thing so you don't lose it, you know. So it's just a lot of risk management to go with it. With um, yeah, with fitness, like with training, like um, part of this, like you know, may not seem like it's actually part of this strategy we're talking about, but you know, one of our previous podcasts was on deloading, and you know, the reason we deload, you know, for this broadcast here, just to recap briefly, it was um, it's literally a planned pullback in like intensity volume just how hard a workout is it's a shorter mm -hmm. workout they're easier workouts like a training in our case we do most of our deloads every four weeks with our clients um like you know we keep it pretty regularly consistent really the only time we change that is if somebody's only training maybe once a week because they usually don't need one or if somebody recently had to had to miss some time because of a either vacation or crazy schedule so again they didn't really have of three weeks of building up that is what our that is what our fourth week deload is for three weeks of crazy training or like uh, intense training every four weeks we take it easy i said that is actually in a way to keep the positive momentum of your training going because it helps keep people healthy it helps their bodies from from overextending themselves and in, in increasing risk of injury it continues long-term progress because that easier week allows the body to keep adapting to the to the training that it's going and I said so i mean that right there is actually put in to keep a winning momentum on your training rather than thinking i have to train hard all the time if i'm not training hard and that and that like people who've been training a while and have been around fitness lifestyles a good amount of time if they don't know this specifically they have at least like seen people who do it, heard about it, something like that. Again, like putting it in practice, I mean, granted, it's something else. But for a younger population or a newer population of training, it can that can still be a foreign concept. Like I come across a lot of people new to training, adults and and teenagers, either one, who, you know, they they're in that, like again, just keep training hard. I gotta train hard. Like it never fails every time I have team workouts every single year that at least one kid, every team will anytime there is like something hard coming up or we take a rest period, we'll go train hard on their own because they wanted to do extra or something like the number of people, the number, a greedy voice, man, the number of athletes that I have had come and tell me that 
they didn't do as well on, say, like a max day, like a squad or a bench, as they thought they would, and then say something like, yeah, I hit this weight two days ago at my friend's house. Like, I wanted to get an extra session in. It's like, again, like, this isn't how the body works. <laughs> it's like, it does, like, it, it's not just straight addition or else everybody who works out would be benching and squatting a thousand pounds. <laughs> like, and, and, and yet who amongst us has not heard that voice on deload week or rest day? PR or ER, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had never heard that before. <laughs> um, like, but like, yeah, like it just shows like how many different practical things can be used in different forms to establish this cheat, cheat meals. A, a, a nutrition version of kind of a barrier to try to keep an overall winning strategy going because the people who did it, yeah, like you can get into the nutritional science in, in some cases, you know, like giving the food higher calories, more fat, etc., may on occasion actually help progress. I'm not getting into that science right now, but nevertheless, the people who propose regular cheat meals understand that perfection is way harder than a regularly scheduled break. And like, again, these are all practical steps to keep winning momentum going. Well, with, let's, let's do this. Cause you know, we, uh, we always gravitate to some of our favorite topics, you know, business and, uh, and working out and all those to, to, to do our examples, but let's, let's do a couple of non-obvious examples with this, because, you know, if we're going to encourage people to, um, to like figure out if they're if they're at their winning condition and and they don't want to overshoot, it's good to have some alternatives. So you know, as I as I think through this, I think through some of the people I see, and you know, like a great example is uh, you know working with teenagers. A lot of times, grades are some kind of an issue, and I'll have parents who uh, they'll accidentally get greedy. Hey, my kids' grades have moved from D's to B's and B pluses, but they should be able to make A's. I want them to make A's. And, and I have to say, now, hold on. Before you do that, think hard about whether or not you really want to, like, try and push and not celebrate this thing because you, you've gotten something pretty good here. If you push harder, you might actually lose it all and go back to D's. So think hard about whether you want to cash out here. Maybe you're at the win condition uh, because that's a very easy one for parents to fall into. That's I guarantee, I guarantee anybody who's ever been on vacation has fallen into this one at least once. Hopefully you learn from it and you don't do it again. How often have you been on vacation? And you can tell you're tired, you're wore out, and realistically, it would be better for you to just take a nap. But damn it, you scheduled that big city walking tour, and you don't want to miss out. <laughs> I've done it. I bet you've done it. I, I guarantee you've done it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, but what's yeah. the win condition of vacation? Rest. The win condition of vacation is rest and recuperation. And instead of that, we're like, oh, my God, I've got to do this other thing. Yeah. We get greedy. Yeah. Like, you know, this is in retrospect, but absolutely a telltale sign that, that you did this, if you're listening, is if you get back from vacation and one of your first thoughts is, I need a vacation from my vacation, then you accidentally, that's exactly what you accidentally did to yourself. 
Um, that is that is one of the big reasons that I personally, if at all possible, will always put a but like a buffer day in between the end of a trip or vacation and an actual return. Because if nothing else, it won't make me have to immediately get back into a routine. So if I need, yeah. So if I didn't do what I should have on vacation, or if I just was too tired, if it was like a work trip, it's like okay, I can now take at least a day to get back on track, and then I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but but now, but now let's let's do a non-obvious example for the 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 hungry individuals too, because there's a lot of people who are like you know real go-getters. Um, I just had one yesterday, I think it was. Uh, so we're we're taking on a, a new intern in the fall semester, and, and we have just a, a ton of different stuff that they can they have the opportunity to be a part of. And I had a conversation with with our new person incoming, saying, "Hey." there's actually a thing you can be a part of developing a training here that would be a useful thing for you but because i'm deeply aware of the accidental greed i i also said but if you need to take your summer break to rest please do that because there will be other opportunities like this you don't have to do this one so you know and i know that because we we hire go-getters here uh I know that if I don't kind of like say that they'll be at risk of like, Oh my God, I'm doing all this stuff. And now I'm going to add this other thing. And instead of getting great, a great experience out of it, they actually fall apart because they just took off that, took on that one thing too many. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, even for the person who's a go-getter, you've got to be conscious of, are you, you're learning and you're, you're getting experience and you're, and you're, you know, really winning in a lot of areas. But if you take on one more thing, the whole house of cards might come tumbling down. So that's a good segue for the other part of this that I wanted to make sure to hit. And that was when basically when winning on your end, so to speak, starts becoming toxic for other people. And that is, uh, you know, the one, the obvious way that I was thinking was when that win at all costs mentality comes up more mm. and you start, you know, because you're focused on what you decided winning is, you start doing a lot of things that that hurt other people or hurt your relationships with other people or even hurt yourself. And I mean, in other ways. Um, but I like your example there because another variation is when your projection of what winning is to some ends up possibly hurting someone else because it's not it's it's not their projection of winning or just not even in their best interest at this moment. So those are actually two really good different, like that's a really good example. And these are two different types of, again, toxic winning mindset that I wanted to cover a little bit before we were finished. Okay. I Adam, so I kind of was throwing them to you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't expect you to bring that up. So, so uh, I'm, I'm mildly unprepared for that, but, but there's, there's at least a concept within that that is uh is useful to be aware of and, and oftentimes we, we talk about it in the counseling room uh because we you know, we're, we're on the essentially on the subject of greed and making sure to not let that voice uh you know carry too much weight there's there's a difference between responsible selfishness and irresponsible selfishness uh People who are responsibly selfish will will be able to achieve their win condition with minimum negative impact to others. Uh, People who are irresponsibly selfish will absolutely 
just stomp all over everyone to to get to whatever their goal is. You see this all over the place. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you can just turn on the news and see examples of that. So, so that's that's where I would first say is like if you if you start becoming aware that you trying to meet your win condition is is damaging relationships and it's it's really making uh, people dislike you or is it otherwise seems toxic to other people. First thing to check in on is okay, am I being irresponsibly selfish in some form or fashion? That that, that pretty much sums it up right where I wanted to go, and it's like so. If you can do that, so what for, like, um, let me start over. How, how helpful is it for other people to point that out? Is there a best way for other people to point that out? Because I feel like that, I mean, that's, you know, eventually you have to become aware, period, to fix those things. But is it, you know, if somebody is picking up on that, what is the best way to to bring that up? And in, in a non, in an ideally non, you know, confrontational manner. Um, oh, oh, sure. Just give me an entire other podcast topic to answer in a single question. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I probably shouldn't have. But like, okay, so is there a, do you think there's a value in someone pointing that out, or should they work with it for a little while and and then just kind of be like, okay, no. Oh, I would say that if if I am forced to generalize, which I'm I'm not sure I'm comfortable with, but I'm at least comfortable enough to to take a stab at it. Saying something is probably better than not saying something simply because uh, if you have somebody who's being irresponsibly selfish and their win condition is harming those around and one person says something that that's easier to brush off. If 12 people have said something, it's it's much more difficult to rationalize away. And so, you know, if, uh, I mean, let's just take somebody. Athletes are a great example of this, honestly. Uh, you know, somebody is just overly dedicated to their sport to the detriment of their, their spouse, their children, uh, you know, their, their family around them. Mm-hmm. If you have the spouse saying, Hey, we've got to figure something out because this is not working for our marriage. And the three kids are like, daddy, how come we never see you? And, you know, their parents are like, you know, you've missed Christmas four times in a row. Is there anything we can do here? Eventually, that starts to build up and and provide the opportunity for a person to become aware. Now, will they? That's a whole different conversation. Uh, But it at least provides greater opportunities. Yeah. We will do a podcast on irresponsible selfishness in the future. Because I I feel like that could be a good one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And and actually, it'll be on responsible selfishness because people – People, nice people get desperately uncomfortable at the idea of being responsibly selfish because they think that they are being horrible when in fact they're, they're actually doing the right thing because responsible selfishness takes care of you while also paying attention to not harming the uh, others around you. Oh yeah. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> so it's like, we're definitely doing that one. Um, okay. So like, uh, so, I mean, yeah, is there anything you want to wrap up with on the concept of winning and not letting it get out of control? Yeah. Uh, uh, so set your win conditions as early as possible. And when you are able to figure those out, try really hard to be ready for that voice of greed that is going to come along. And it will. It absolutely will. 
and say, oh, but you could get just a little bit more and really have, you know, that win condition firmly in your head. It, you know, is this, do I need to follow this, this voice that's suddenly speaking to me or am I already where I need to be? Oh, I'm already where I need to be. And then it's much easier to reject that. But and, and I said all of that to, to say this, because if people aren't aware of this, they'll be very vulnerable to it still. The more you compare your life to other people's lives, the more you are going to have difficulty rejecting that voice of greed. If you can see other people's lives without trying to think that you should be more like other people, it's going to be much easier. But if you, you know, if you have $500 million, but you look at somebody with a billion and you're like, oh man, why, why don't I have that? That voice of greed is going to make it really easy to, and, and realistically, most people get into the game of money for the purpose of just living a better life. And, and I don't know what the hell you can buy with an extra $500 million if you already got the first $500 million. Uh, but I can't imagine it significantly impacts quality of life. Yep. That actually reminds me of a story that I heard in a book, um, an audio book I listened to within the last year. And it was of a, yeah, a very, very, very well to do couple, let's just say possibly billionaire status. And where the, basically the husband and wife were fighting over toilet paper like how much toilet paper they were buying. And, you know, I can't remember the details, but that was basically one of those things where like it kept becoming this major source of stress <laughs> was just toilet paper before it took someone else to finally say like basically a professional, like bringing it up to the businessman. Hey, how many rolls of toilet paper can you buy right now? You know, and it was like, and again, you're, you're talking millions of dollars. So, you know, enough toilet paper for like a thousand lifetimes. And it's like, exactly. So why is this important? Why does this matter to you? <laughs> you know, and like you said, like, so and, often, and, 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 I, and I can even hear it now. I can hear the voice. Oh, my God, that's an extra 50 bucks. Not realizing that has a damn thing to do with any of their win conditions whatsoever. The voice agreed just wanted that extra 50 freaking dollars. Yeah. So, um, all right, brother. So, like, great podcast. Great getting out here talking with you again. I'm so used to saying podcast now. So, podcast and broadcast. <laughs> um, again, for those of you catching us here on Facebook, uh, Asymmetric Habits is a official podcast now it can be found uh, most prominently on apple podcasts and also spotify podcasts so if you um you know that's a good way for either go back and always be able to check out uh, extra episodes or old ones that we've reposted easy place to find them or of course for you know family friends who aren't on facebook or cast these easy place to tell them about the podcast to check it out if you do but always appreciate um subscribe five star review and to share it but again, JP and I will be back and talk to you guys soon. Hope you get something out of this. See y'all.